Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Welcome everyone to Paradox. I'm howdy, Josh. Howdy. I'm Jimmy. And we are so glad to have Dr. Trevin Wax. How are you doing, Trevin? Doing good. Good to be with you guys. Thank you for being on. Trevin is managing editor of the Gospel Project with Lifeway. Uh, he contributes daily to a blog called Kingdom People, and it's with the Gospel Coalition. His latest book uh, is The Gospel Center Teaching. He's a former missionary in Romania. Uh, he is one of Christianity Today's 33 millennials leading the next generation. He's a co-host of the Word Matters podcast, and he has a Ph.D. in theology from Southeastern Seminary. My first question is, how do you find time to sleep? I was about to say that introduction. <laughs> there's too many. There's too many things there. Um, That's yeah, amazing. I, you know, we everyone uh, that uh, does doctoral work or that is involved in church work and ministry of various kinds just knows it's a busy life. It is just it's a busy life. Yeah, and you are you're married, correct? I am. I am. We have uh, been married for. Uh, we're going on 14 years and uh, have three kids, two boys and a girl. It, Whew, to manage all of that and a family. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And Trevin, I just wanted to tell you, Christianity Today contacted me about being on that list, but being 56, they wouldn't consider <laughs> and, me. Oh, they wouldn't let you. No, well, yeah. you know, that's yeah. just age discrimination. Right I now. know. Seriously, thank you. Finally. <laughs> Somebody. <laughs> the struggle's real, my friend. Uh, Jimmy would like to think he's that important. Um, Trevin, tell us about the Gospel Project. Yep. So the Gospel Project is a, a um, all ages curriculum that uh, we started uh, three years ago at um, at Lifeway. It is um, it takes you through the the biblical storyline from Genesis to Revelation, hitting all the main stories, showing how they point forward to Christ, showing how this is the one true story of the world. Uh, we we started. Several years ago, we restarted our second cycle going through the Bible storyline this uh, this last fall, and um, the Lord has really blessed it. We have more than a million people every week that are uh, in this curriculum and walking wow. through the storyline of Scripture with us. So um, it's great. I, I, I lead a life group at my church, and you know my, my daughter's in a in a uh, a class, and we I know we're studying the same thing she is. So uh, whenever she whenever we get in the van and we ask her what you know, what story she just did, we know because we just did the same thing, just at a different level in our adult classes. Now, is this something families have access to, or is it only through their local church, if their local church? Uh, primarily, primarily through the local church. I mean, anyone can can get online at Lifeway.com. They can purchase curriculum if they want to do this as a family study, uh, or, you know, get a, a student version for your teenager or whatever. But um, it's primarily through the, through the local church. And then there's some family options that are added there so that the discussion can can continue at home after the actual church program. Okay. Um, and what about the Gospel Coalition where you blog? Tell us about that. 
Uh, yeah, so the Gospel Coalition, I've been blogging there. I guess I moved my blog there, and uh, it's been several years now. But um, uh, it's a, an organization, a council that was started by Tim Keller, pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian in New York City, and D.A. Carson, who's a um, renowned New Testament scholar, and uh, put together a lot of uh, pastors and just council members that were uh, like-minded, had a, a very strong theological vision for ministry, what that looks like, what culture engagement looks like in the um, in the 21st century, and um, several uh, people who, who feel like they align with that vision for ministry and cultural engagement. Uh, are blogging there, and so it's it's a nice home to have there to be able to Absolutely. to write there. And um, they they do a conference every other year, a women's conference every other year as well that is um, uh, highly attended. And it's it's really a, a a great ministry that a lot of people I think have benefited from. And you co-host a podcast, Word Matters. Tell us about that. Yes, um, so we just started this. A friend of mine at uh, Lifeway, Brandon Smith, who works with the HCSB, the Holman Christmas Standard Bible translation. Um, it's We take some uh, texts of Scripture that are controversial or are confusing, and we, we talk through the different options of interpretation and usually come up with some kind of um, resolution by the end. Not all the time, because sometimes we'll have on a guest, and we might not always agree with, because they are controversial. Sometimes, you know, there's not one uh, level of agreement, but it's um, we try to keep it short, 15, 20 minutes, you know, just talk through uh, a particular text that causes people to scratch their heads, and then uh, the different options for interpretation, and usually land at the end with, you know, how, how do you preach this? How do you teach this? How would you walk someone through this if you're doing Bible study and you come across this this verse that just puzzles you? And uh, a lot of a lot of fun with that podcast. We 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 found that a lot of people are engaging it at different levels, and it's exciting to see. So, where did Cain get his wife? That is actually one of the questions we discussed okay. just a couple of episodes ago. It's hilarious you would say uh, that. We did one on historical Adam, and that was one of the things we talked about. Any resolution there? So, um, you'll have to listen to the podcast. I can't give it away here. I love it. Totally, uh, totally inappropriate. Uh, word matters. I mean, before project. Christian Mingle, I have no idea where he would have even started. <laughs> that is right. That is right. <laughs> Um, so whether it's your work with the Gospel Coalition, the Gospel Project, and Lifeway, your podcast, I, I would assume you have your hands in so many different arenas uh, that you have a pretty good pulse on on uh, the church today. Uh, so I would love to, to hear just, you know, there's a lot of things as far as race and gender, a lot of things being thrown at the church right now. What do you feel like is the toughest issue facing the church today? You know, I think the, the, the toughest issue actually doesn't immediately relate to either of those two things, which those two things are the things that occupy a lot of our time and attention and controversy. Um, I was reading recently the um, the book by um, Dave Lyons and David Kinnaman, Good Faith, which has a lot of new research in it from the, the Barnett Group. And um, I think the most the most serious issue facing the Church is if you look there, there's a um, a list of statements that are made in that book about what the purpose of life is. It's to enjoy yourself. How you how do you enjoy yourself and discover your purpose is by looking deep within yourself to find yourself. That uh, the the purpose of life is basically to find happiness. The way you do this is by discovering who you are deep down inside and then expressing that to the world. Um, that sort of chase your dreams, find out who you are, be true to yourself mentality. The dif- difference between practicing Christians, that is church going Christians and non-Christians on how they responded to that question 
is very, very small. There's hardly, there, there's just very little difference. And I, mm-hmm. I honestly, I think that um, the way we conceive of the big questions of life, why we're here, what we're here to do, what the purpose of life is, and how we find joy and satisfaction in life, those are the bigger questions that then fuel all of the other controversies we have. And if the difference between Christians and non-Christians um, is so small on that scale, then we have a whole lot of reorienting our entire yeah. lives, hearts, yeah. worldviews that we have to do before we can actually even truly engage from a Christian perspective some of the other issues that cause trouble. Um, you know, it's so interesting that you bring that point up. I was just in a conversation with a client the other day that, you know, like, it, I forget, it's in Luke nine twenty three maybe, um, you know, where... Jesus answers the question, you know, uh, if you if you want to follow after me, first deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. That being this before the Sermon on the Mount, this is sort of the the first time he's asked this question. And for all the things he could have said about what it means to follow him, the first thing was to deny yourself, uh, which seemingly to Jesus, this is like fundamental to the Christian faith. And yet in 21st century America, that is uh, self-denial is almost anathema. That's true. I mean, I I think our culture looks to self-fulfillment as the purpose of life. Mm -hmm. This is what you're here to do. So we don't, the the message of the culture is not deny yourself, it's discover yourself, right? Be true Mm -hmm. to yourself. But but Jesus and then the other, you know, the apostles, the the message of the gospel is very countercultural. The, the Gospels and the New Testament authors tell us that we should crucify the self that the world tells us to be true mm-hmm. to. So mm-hmm. until we really grapple with what that means, that, that death to self, so that we can find our full and, and total satisfaction in God alone, because ultimately we don't deny ourselves just in a sort of, you know, just as a sacrifice for its own sake. You're, you're putting aside yourself because you believe that there is... Yeah. A, a greater fulfillment that comes from God Himself, not from us, and so that that really is that really is the the area where there's a lot of battleground. I think. So, how do we begin that paradigm shift? Well, I think we have to start at the fundamental worldview level of um, of of seeing God at the center of all things, and it, this is the reason this is so hard is not simply because we don't know that. Um, we know that, I, I think a lot of Christians, if you ask, you know, is God the center of the world, would say yes, but we still live as if we are the center of the world. And we, and part of the reason why is we have so many practices and habits that shape us in that way. So, I mean, just to give an example, think about the phone. The, the dominant message that comes to you from a smartphone is that you are the center of all things. You know, all your apps are tailored to you. Um, your news feed on Facebook is tailored to the angle and slant that you want to receive it in. Um, you know, the, the kinds of things we do on our, on our phones um, are all adaptable based on our own personalities. Um, ads that pop up when you are, um, are online searching for something, they, they're according to your interests. So, um, and I'm not, I'm not, I mean, I use a smartphone, so I'm not saying that, you know. We'll yeah, Jimmy, oh, Jimmy's there. actually squirming in his chair right now. Yeah, yeah, uh, and maybe checking Twitter, right? Yeah, um, exactly. I, I, I mean, I'm not saying that the, that the phone then is a bad thing that we we put away, but I I do think it's it's harder in a society where everything is geared to remind you that you are the center of all things yeah. and your happiness yeah. is the most important thing. Even parents at a very young age. 
Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. We have to consider how these practices and habits actually form our heart's desires in ways we might not be thinking. So I, I'm, I'm, I've been doing a lot of writing lately on, on that issue. And then uh, not just on the phone, I've got a chapter on that that I'm working on, but, I, but on other things too, just different aspects of life that we don't even think about. We just assume that make it harder for us to have that reoriented uh, vision of Jesus Christ, the center of all things, God being supreme in the world. Uh, in one of your blogs, Trevin, you said that Christianity um, is being marginalized in culture, uh, and therefore we have to go local. What did you mean by that? Yeah, that, I, I've been reading a book lately um, by a, a scholar, his name is Yuval Levine, and um, not, not a Christian scholar as far as I know, just someone who is kind of watching our, our American moment and sees a lot of fracturing going on. And a lot of what he writes about in a book called The Fractured Republic is he gives this, he gives this um, diagnosis of why our culture is so fragmented, why our society seems to be pulling apart. But then he, he says, you know, Christians right now are very much focused on uh, the national conversation, what's going on in, in politics in Washington, D.C. And he says, um, the, the common, this battle for sort of the common culture, the heart and soul of America, the moral ethic that's going to be the common ground for everyone, um, that is important, but that's not as important as it used to be because the common culture is no longer as dominant. We really mm-hmm. are a society that is more and more fragmented into different subcultures. And so one of the things he recommended that I have I've, I've really benefited from and I see a lot of value in is he just said, you know, we, we ought to consider how we um, uh, make a difference at the local level and not actually overlook that. You know, that Christians who feel marginalized may simply need to, instead of retreating from engaging the world around them, they might actually need to look at the world right around them. You know, the people that are actually in your neighborhood, in your city council, in your school board, you know, in your local church community. Um, that that is a way of re-engaging, but actually doing that in a way that is local. And I mean, I think that there's a lot of value uh, in that. And so uh, I'm I'm encouraged to, a lot of people shared that post and commented on that post, but uh, they felt like it gave them hope to do something. Right. And, you know, we, we ought to think about that. You know, that it, success is not simply what happens in D.C. When Jesus tells us to love our neighbors, I think he he means our actual neighbors, right? And that's one of the ways we can do that. I was reading, oh gosh, and I feel so bad that I don't remember the author, but he was saying we really ought to stop using the verbiage engage culture and engage your neighbor. Yeah, uh, Andy you said, Crouch wrote yes, that. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, Christianity Today. Yeah. Yes. You know, it's like, wow, don't don't think of it in terms of, because you're not going to engage culture, you're going to engage your neighbor. Well, and culture, too, is such a slippery term. I mean, yeah. what is culture? We, there's a lot of cultures in the United States, right? I mean, and then there's a lot of different, uh, you know, we're actually, we're engaging people in our society. Yeah. And I think yeah. that was a good reminder from him. Um, you also said in one of your blogs that unless Christianity updates its doctrine and adapts to a changing world, it's destined uh, for irrelevancy. Expound. Well, that's. That's not what I say. That's not. Uh, that's what I think. A lot of people are saying in our society today okay. that think that think that the Christian message okay. um, it has to has to be changed. I, I I was actually in that blog post. I'm making a comparison. A hundred years ago, people were saying that very same thing, but they were saying it about the miracles. 
of the Bible. They were saying, you know, if we don't adapt and we don't adjust to this scientific age where people can't believe in miracles, right. people don't believe all this stuff anymore, you know, Jonah being swallowed by a great fish and things like that. They said, if we, if we don't adapt, then Christianity is going to be doomed just to anti-intellectuals and things like that. Yeah. Well, what we saw, that, that was not the case. Actually, the churches that got on board with that idea of adapt or die are the ones who are dying and who right. have died the fastest. Uh, today, that same thing is being said. You know, we've got to adjust everything we believe and adjust our morality. It's not miracles today that are controversy. It's Christian morals, Christian ethics, mm. especially regarding sexuality. People are saying, you know, unless we get on board with this sexual revolution, we're going to be left behind. And uh, actually, if we learn the lessons from 100 years ago, that we should know that that's not true. That's not true. Mm -hmm. The way that Christians actually are most effective and faithful is when we do stand out from the dominant culture. Right. Um, and so that's what we'll have to do with this in this generation. So I'm always people that want to save Christianity by saying it has to change or die oftentimes sacrifice what makes Christianity powerful. So, so distinctive. Yeah. Um, so you are a young parent um, you know, this, a lot of people that listen to this podcast, uh, you know, are young parents. When we live in an age of kind of that smart people don't believe and kind of dumb uneducated people cling to their guns and religion, since we, we're kind of in that paradigm as a young parent, how do you, how do you bring your children up, um, when, it, it seems as though the the culture is growing ever more, not just secular, but aggressively secular. Uh, what would your advice be to young parents on on how to bring uh, a child into this and train them up in the way they should go? Well, several things. Um, I I would I would say I think I think being part of a local church community is the most important thing that that parents can do. Prioritizing church attendance, gathering with the church, worshiping together. Um, the, the, what, what, what makes something plausible to people is the environment that they have around them. And so, you know, you cannot, you cannot do this on your own. If you don't have a church that lives and believes according to what Scripture teaches, then good luck, you know, having, having your kids, you know, raised in, in the faith. The faith is a community thing. It's not simply us as parents. So the good thing is we have the church behind us. And so I, w I would just say that's a, that's an important, important aspect of this. Um, the, another thing I would say too, though, is just to make sure that you're, you're finding ways to connect what you do and how you live and how it's different than the rest of the world to connect that with um, uh, the, the gospel, with Christianity, you know, to, to be able to say, look, we don't do this thing that other people do because we're Christians, or we do help here in this way because we're Christians. You know, I like to, that's a phrase that we say in our house quite often um, is, you know, whenever we're asked, you know, why aren't we going to do that? Or why are we, you know, why are we giving that? Why is our, are we, are we taking a meal over to the church to, you know, to help these battered women who are staying in our fellowship hall at church, uh, you know, overnight this week. And the, the answer to that is, well, this, because we're Christians. This is what Christians do. This is how we love, you know. Um, I think connecting just to how you live in everyday life uh, to the gospel, to Scripture, is really important. And it's also challenging for us as parents, because that means we actually do have to live differently. You know, we've got to be able to have something to say that is different. So, 
Very nice. Trevin, thank you so much for joining us. Um, if you want more information about Trevin, you can find him at lifeway.com, trevinwax.com, and then the gospel, or it's just gospelproject.com. He also has a Twitter. It is at Trevin Wax. His Facebook is also Trevin Wax. Uh, and then go check out his Word Matters project. Trevin, thank you so much. Thank you, Trevin. Thanks for having me on, guys. I'm so glad I misread that. Yes, and uh, you need to do a better job reading. I know, I know. <laughs> because as I was reading, I was going, "My, I'm going to have a discussion about this. Uh, how, do we, how do we adapt something that was true yesterday, today, and forever? Sure. Uh, oh, that's so fantastic. Um, but it was how wonderful to hear him say that, that what we're hearing now, oh, my Lord, if we just don't adapt to this Correct. current, what's going on in culture, we're going to be left behind. That's been saying been being said for 2000 years. Uh, and again, the gospel is the same today, yesterday, uh, and forever. And it's going to be true today. Uh, and it's going to be true 200 years from now. Um, love this guy and I love what he's doing. I liked, um, the same thing that Christ asked us to crucify ourselves, right? Is the same thing that the world asks us to be true to. Yes. Um, Which I found a fascinating statement um, and mind-numbingly, I don't know what, I mean, true, right? So it is mind-numbingly difficult, I guess, is what I'm I'm trying to say. Um, And that's probably why Christ asked us to do that. Correct. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of our natural bent to want to be true to mm-hmm. ourselves. Um, that's and what sin is. Exactly. And so Christ asks us to do the very thing that's most difficult. Uh, and I got to believe that he asks us that, um, so that we could actually rely on him, mm-hmm. um, to, to be the change yep. agent. He yep. didn't want to give us a job to do that is easy to do. Uh, so we wouldn't have to rely on him. Uh, but I thought that that was a, a great statement Very by good. him as well. Trevin Wax. Look him up, guys. Uh, if you want more information about the show, ParadoxPodcast.com. You can also find us tri- Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, Docs Podcast. You can find me on those three platforms, Josh Doc Myers. Guys, have a good uh, rest have of your week. good day. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. and researched by Dr. Jimmy and Dr. Josh Myers. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescarr.com. If you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox. I warn people when they meet me, I'm eventually getting around to the Bible, Star Wars, or Lord of the Rings. Those are the things that just sort of like spew out of me. I love you. (laughs) So how did we miss each other? And we're like two ships passing in the night. (laughs) Right. You sound like the perfect female. (laughs) I would go that far.